This is episode number 157 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Hey, welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Standard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. Last week, I started a two-part series on owning your job, and as I mentioned last week, the phrase, own your job, (laughs) describes making yourself more valuable to either your company or your clients so that you improve job security. So last week, I covered, you know, basically what the phrase means, and and I started giving you the five things that you can do to advance your career, increase your income, and have more fun at work. So the first two ways were, take number one, taking initiative, and then number two was being a problem solver, really anticipating problems before they occur so that you can be a better problem solver. And this week, I'm going to cover the remaining three ways to own your job. So so I think you're going to get some great stuff out of this particular episode. It's one of those things that the more we've kind of delved into this topic, the more fun it's gotten and the and and the more that we think we can help people kind of really, really get ahead. So by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd like to ask a favor of you. Would you mind leaving me a review on your podcast app? So this content content is absolutely free and positive reviews on places like Apple Podcast and Spotify. They help us keep the show free. It only takes a couple of seconds, and I really, really appreciate the feedback. All right, so let's get on with the remaining three ways to own your job and get ahead. So just as a recap, what we covered last week, step one was to take initiative, and then step two is to anticipate problems before they happen so that you've got a better plan to deal with these problems. So let's start with step number three. The third thing that you can do to really own your job is to establish clear goals for yourself and then regularly assess your progress on those goals because that's going to help you improve your performance in in a whole lot less time. You'll be able to improve your performance really, really quickly if you do that. So regularly assessing your progress in in your job function, it's really essential. It ensures that you're meeting your goals and contributing to the success of your organization. But not only that, a clear set of goals kind of creates a roadmap for you and your organization's development. So the power behind setting goals is is simply stated by Earl Nightingale. You know, he was one of the early American radio speaker and author and one of the first motivational speakers out there. And basically Nightingale said, People with goals succeed because they know where they're going. (laughs) It's as simple as that. A goal is a simple way to get you to where you want to be. But to take it one step further, we also want to consider assessing your goals. So goal setting and assessment is like target practice with a bow and arrow. If your if your goal is to shoot an arrow at a target, that's easy. You know, just just point at it, point at the target, and then fire away. In order for your goal to have real power, though. You need to get very specific in what you want to accomplish and then assess your performance over time. For instance, let's make that goal more meaningful by shooting an arrow right in the bullseye of the target. So unless you're an expert already, hitting the bullseye isn't going to happen the very first time that you do it. So you have to take your best shot, assess how close the arrow is to the target, and then try again. And as you use each shot, you inform yourself about how to improve the next shot. You'll eventually hit the target. 
So soon your goal will will change from hitting the bullseye to how many times kind of hit the bullseye in a day. So if you create professional goals for yourself with with the same approach that you'll you'll make a huge impact in your professional development. So here's a five-step process that you can use to really create goals and and boost your performance. The first step, number one, is to define clear, specific goals. And we've all likely heard of the the SMART goals that represents the, the term specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, timely. So a goal that isn't SMART is is like, eh, I just want to shoot the arrow at the target. <laughs> so a smart goal is I want to hit the bullseye, bullseye by next week. So you make your goals very specific and put that time frame on them and make them measurable. That's going to help you get a better performance. So the next phase is to break the big goal down into smaller tasks. Chances are that your goals are going to be much more complicated than hitting a bullseye with an arrow. Large goals are are complex and they're going to have many, many steps that you're going to need to achieve. So it's a good idea to break the complex goal into smaller, more manageable tasks. Then it's just a matter of checking off the boxes as you kind of get closer. That in itself will help you develop the habit of creating that stronger work ethic. So number three is related to the SMART goals is that set deadlines, even though we understand the importance of deadlines it's all it's one of the easy things to kind of neglect when we're putting our goals together but the simple truth is that setting a deadline will help you establish the pace of how quickly you can achieve that goal so set deadlines that are realistic that are achievable and you can use them to light the fire for your motivation especially if you get a rush from seeing an, an approaching deadline that kind of thing so step number four is regularly assess your progress. This is really one of the most critical parts. So just like in the analogy of shooting arrows at a target, the most important thing is to make adjustments to your aim. You're not going to be perfect every single time. So even if you're hitting the target and an, I mean, an amazing 90% of the time, you don't want to forget that your main goal is to hit the center of the target. Check in with your goal regularly to ensure that you're striving for excellence and not just satisfactory results. So the fifth step, the last one, is to celebrate your successes. So no matter how small your successes are, you want to make sure that you celebrate each one of them along the way. Take time to reflect on what you've accomplished and use that positive energy to fuel your continued progress. All successful people are goal setters, bottom line. The better your goals are, though, the more successful you're going to become. So just as a review, in order to own your job and to become more successful, the first thing is to take initiative. The second thing, anticipate problems before they come up so you have a better plan. And then number three is to set your goals and then also assess your 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 movement toward those goals along the way. So step number four is to communicate effectively to improve collaboration and teamwork. It's well known that work runs way, way, way more smoothly when teams collaborate together. The, the lesser known fact, though, is that the success of collaboration is not at the mercy of the personalities on your team. In other words, with the right approach, you can take responsibility to pave the way for clear communication. And we don't just mean by being a better speaker. In fact, most of the communication comes from being a better listener. So I'll give you an example from my my own company here at the Leaders Institute. When when the company first began, we had instructors that were busy following up on requests from potential customers and running around like crazy teaching programs, that kind of thing. New hires 
a lot of times we're too busy to to really get to know each other. And a lot of times they were we were spread out. We were a virtual company way before <laughs> virtual companies were were very common. And so uh, we we thought that um, that a good solution might be to have a, a weekly conference call. So this is back pre-Zoom and all that kind of stuff. But what tended to happen, though, was that every week we'd get on. The first week was great. The second week was really good. The third week was OK. The fourth week and then the fifth week and the sixth week and the seventh week. And eventually it got to the point where the communication just kind of became repetitive and and our our communication started to kind of stagnate. So basically what we did was we we kind of changed things up. We said, okay, the, what we're doing now really isn't working. Let's see if we can do this a little bit better. And so what we took was we we made the the team meetings that we were doing. We we started to publish specific agendas for what we would be covering and really keep it within a specific time frame, 15, 20 minutes. So it wasn't a waste of everybody's morning on Monday morning. And um, and what the the next thing that we did though was I started sending that agenda out, and then I started contacting my team members individually one at a time, and prompting them, prompting them to kind of give us their input on the things that were on the agenda that were related to them. So instead of like what was happening before, where I would bring something up on the agenda and I would say, "Okay, anybody have anything to share on that?" and it would be dead silence. They were more likely to have something prepared so that it created a better discussion on the actual calls. So that natural result was more natural communication between the team members. So what happened um, that that improved that situation? The fact is that you, you can't just put people in a room and tell them to start talking about work. Putting people on the spot is going to make them kind of freeze up. And, and it, it results in the manager then doing all of the talking. So instead... Take responsibility for facilitating that discussion. Have your team members speak on topics that they know and they've got experience on. And as you bring out the best in everyone, they're going to find it much easier to talk with each other. And they'll also start to learn more about about each other and be able to communicate with you as the leader much better as well. So, So let me give you a few steps on things that you can specifically do to communicate better, to create foster better communication within your organization. So step one is to be clear and concise. Avoid jargon, avoid technical language. If you, if you, use jargon and technical language, not only going to lose people, but a lot of times the folks who are listening to you may not ask for clarification. They don't want to appear ignorant to their to their coworkers and that kind of thing. If you work with small teams that 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 use this specific type of jargon, remember that those outside of your team will need you to talk on their terms. And so my advice is just to don't get in, in a habit of doing that. I know we like to abbreviate stuff. I, I'll give you a really good example. Like for instance, uh, in in our company, we have uh, specific branded events. You know, build a bike and fearless presentations and high impact leaders. And a lot of times, we we kind of catch ourselves in using the abbreviated jargon. So. HIL instead of high impact leaders or FP instead of fearless presentations. So for folks that have been around, you know, six months or a year, everybody knows what FP is. Everybody knows what HIL is. But what tends to happen is we get into a habit of using those terms in when we're talking to each other. And then we get outside of the company and we slip into using that jargon. So it's a good idea to kind of reduce those those acronyms and those that that 
industry specific jargon because you're going to slip up somewhere along the way and it's going to cause some miscommunication. Uh, number two is to practice active listening skills. The the importance of active listening can't be underestimated. I, I'm, I it can easily be forgotten when discussions get kind of heated, but make sure that every member of your team feels heard. If you don't, if they don't feel like that that you're listening to them then they may not be holding on to the valuable information that you've imparted to them as well. So listening really is a a two-way street. You have to be a really, really good listener if you want to communicate more effectively. Tip number three is to practice empathy. A huge mistake is to make assumptions about about what somebody is thinking or experiencing. So instead, take time to learn what it's like to be in their shoes. Put yourself in that other person's shoes. Not only... Will it give you insight into how their their role functions and what their struggles might be? But it's also a good way to help you build trust within your team members and between the team members and yourself. Number four is to use the right communication channels. It, it's easy to relegate everything to an email or instant message. Sometimes it's a better idea to just pick up the phone or walk over to the person's desk <laughs> And you'll get a much better result. Likewise, likewise, it's just as easy to make every request into a Zoom call when it could have been a text message. So make sure that you're using the proper form of communication for the discussion that needs to take place. And then the last step in in making the communication more clear at your workplace is to create safe spaces for communication. So some people just won't speak freely unless they feel like they're safe from backlash or or, or judgment. So schedule one-on-ones, lunches, uh, private phone calls. Uh, those kind of things can be revealing when you allow somebody to kind of speak freely. So use your active listening skills and and take turns speaking openly to create a dialogue based on trust. Because when you improve communication, you're going to reduce errors and speed up processes within your organization. This is going to give your team and your company an advantage in the marketplace. Okay, so the last thing, the last thing that we're going to cover in helping you kind of own your job is to take advantage of training and development programs because that's going to help you grow in your role. So to to really own your job, you have to realize that you're never going to know everything about your job. (laughs) The information that you rely on today is slowly becoming obsolete. Actually, it's not slowly. It's quickly becoming obsolete. What, What makes you successful in the past will cause you to be yesterday's news tomorrow. So your employees and your team members know this too. They're now turning to their employers to give them tools that they need to stay afloat in this ever-changing world. So in fact, it was reported that 94% of employees would stay at a company longer if it invested in helping them learn. Another good reason for taking advantage of training and, and employee development programs is illustrated in the example of the what's called the, the white rhinoceros exercise. So, uh, and you can actually do this with your team. It's actually a, a fun little exercise. A- ask your team to draw white rhinoceroses. <laughs> It'll be a random kind of thing. But when you do, they're all going to draw something totally and completely different because it's not something that people see on a day-to-day basis. And then immediately after they draw something, show them a picture of a white rhinoceros and then have them try the exercise again. Unsurprisingly, the results are going to be fairly similar. What they draw is going to look a whole lot more like a white white rhinoceros. It's easy for me to say, right? The point is, is that 
In in order for an organization to succeed, everyone has to have the same idea of what success looks like. So by taking advantage of training and development programs that your company offers, you're buying into that same version of success that your company has envisioned for you. So if you want to take advantage of learning opportunities within your organization to help you grow in your role, there are a few simple things that you can kind of do. Number one, identify your development needs. So identifying areas for learning, whether it's in technical skills or leadership skills or industry-specific knowledge, be honest with yourself or consider asking for feedback in your performance review. And the, the second thing that you can do is research training and development opportunities. If you've maxed out your LinkedIn learning courses and you need more, start doing the, the research into what your next steps are. Once you know exactly what you need to that's going to take you that, that that next level, request it from your company, whether it's formal training, online courses, mentorship, coaching, or something else. There's a good chance that somebody in your company is going to have access to that specific type of training and kind of help you. And then number three, make a plan. Just like setting goals, like we talked about earlier, you should have a clear vision for your training. Set goals and deadlines for what you want to achieve. Take the training required and then put it, in, put it into action. From there, you can assess if your plan needs to be revised. The fourth thing that you can do to, to really access some of this training development is communicate with your manager. Keep your manager informed of your professional and personal development plan so that you can stay aligned with the company's needs. Not only that, but your manager might know of opportunities within the company that you weren't aware of. And then the last thing is apply what you learn. I mean, once you kind of go through this training programs, if... If you just get a bunch of information but never put it into practice, it's it's wasted time. So make it a point to apply what you learn in your day-to-day -day work. As as I've kind of stated earlier, you know, if you're working with your manager, you can you can that that can also help you uh, figure out the best way to apply that knowledge. For example, maybe a new project can be given to you with the specific purpose of testing what you've learned. So the bottom line is that if you want to take ownership of your job, uh, basically those five things that we've covered can really help. Taking ownership of your job is more than just showing up to do your job on time. It's about setting goals and tracking your progress and ensuring that your role expands. Don't be afraid to take on new responsibilities and, and opportunities for development. Also, make sure to communicate with your team. The information that you get from colleagues is indispensable and can help, and help you anticipate those challenges. Put these five main ideas to work and use the benefits of owning your job and, and your success will soon follow. All right. So thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. See you next week.